Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey again, everybody. Thanks for uh, being with us for another week here on the Yolitics podcast. Uh, Jason and Jason with you once again. Before we even get started here, I just want to say uh, we got a really nice message uh, the other day from a guy named Kim on Instagram uh, who said that he set out on a road trip uh, with his sister. It sounded like it was a long one uh, and they needed something to kind of pass the miles. And so he pulled up our uh, most recent podcast with the CEO of Southwest Airlines. He actually happens to work for Southwest Airlines and says that uh, he learned some things uh, while he was traveling there, really enjoyed the podcast, uh, and just wanted to give him a shout out uh, for for having a listen and encouraging others to do the same. It's a great idea, Jason, you know, as we get into that time of the year when uh, you're out and about and on the road and, you know, you got to pass, you know, eight, 10 hours. Uh, you got the family in the car. Yeah. Uh, this is a good thing to listen to. Yeah, it is. And everybody it, can agree on y'all. Who can come on? It's, it is the unofficial podcast of Texas. Kim, thank you very much for, for downloading that episode. We appreciate that. And speaking of travel, Wheeler, I, I, I doubt you've gotten my, my Christmas gift yet, but, uh, I'll give you a few hints. You can go ahead not. and you can get me a, uh, an airline gift card. Uh, so I can do some of these cool trips that my friends are taking, like our guest today on our podcast. Uh, I think it's going to take more than just my gift <laughs> if you plan on doing the uh, the trip that we're talking about today. Uh, so, yeah, let's dive into that. First of all, uh, what are you having today? Uh, I have, uh, I, I got this one strictly on his name, Daddy's Juice Box. Oh, IPA. Okay. So this is like one of those, uh, uh, like those little kids <laughs> juice boxes, like a pre-sun type pouches this is a double ipa it's from uh true vine brewing it's in tyler texas i don't do a lot of ipas uh, especially double ipas so i can't really uh you know compare it but let's see what it's see what it's like that's going to be uh double trouble if you don't do a lot of ipas i have a feeling let's just see what that first face is like here over the zoom call uh, that's like you a look please well it's like a, a good christmas beer it's you know double ipas everyone listen to it who drinks double ipas like uh yeah you idiot it's like a heavy rich beer <laughs> But yeah, it's not bad. You know, when it's cold outside, that, that's the beer I'd like to have. I'm having one today from uh, Hop Fusion Ale Works out of Fort Worth, uh, and I am having a Feisty Blonde today. Nice. I've had that. That, uh, that is a good one. And it says, this ain't your mama's blonde uh, down at the <laughs> bottom. So it sounds like it could be a goodie. That could be trouble, um, too. So... You, you, you were referring to this trip. Yeah, so, you know, our our guest, I, I've been a, a longtime fan of this guy e- even before I got here. And this is a former colleague of ours who retired a few years back. His name is... After 41 years at the station. Not just... Nobody lasts no, that long. No, but not just 41 years. This guy did everything and won everything there is in broadcast yep. journalism. His name is Byron Harris. He was a, a veteran reporter. I think he worked in Oklahoma City before he moved to um, WFAA in Dallas uh, for a long time. He reti- retired in 2015. 
it's hard mm-hmm. to believe it's been six years. And and when you say that he was not just you know another one uh, in the room, this guy is I I think he is and or was uh, the most decorated reporter in the country uh, award wise. And I don't mean these you know piddly local awards. We're talking about national awards. This guy had national recognition for his investigative work and all of the things that he uncovered over the years. And I mean, they just kept coming. He didn't have just like one of these and one of those. He has like this trophy case yeah. that is just filled. And so he is a journalist at heart. Uh, and as Jason said, he retired uh, back in 2015. But y- you never stop. When, when, when you're that good, uh, you don't ever stop, you know, being a journalist. And so recently uh, he went on, you know, what should have been this, you know, vacation trip of a lifetime kind of thing. And now he's on his way back home, uh, and uh, it's going to be a long journey home. And so we're doing a, a sort of debrief uh, while he's en route. Byron, we're, we're super stoked you could join us. Tell us where you are right now, man. We have just left uh, the Antarctic Peninsula and are headed back to Tierra del Fuego from Antarctica. Uh, we are in the Drake Passage, which is one of the stormiest bodies of water in the world uh it's not super stormy right now we're in about 15 foot seas and the wind is about 50 miles an hour that sounds super stormy though byron uh but i guess everything's relative down there and this ship is different than most ships Into the into the swell, it was invented hmm. in the North Sea uh, by people who had to service oil rigs in that heavy weather a lot. So it's very cool. Hmm. Plus, the ship is stabilized; it has little underwater wings that hmm. that absorb some of the swells. So, Byron, for our listeners who haven't been to uh, to where you are right now, the Drake Passage is the southern tip of South America. It's where the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans meet. Um, I, I, if I go out, you know, somewhere in Texas and, you know, there's, uh, you know, 18 inch swells, I get seasick. Are you, are you wearing magnets on your wrists or are you taking any, uh, any medicine or anything to handle No, this? I didn't have any trouble coming down. So, and I'm not right now. Uh, the oceanographer was saying this morning that if you don't get seasick, you're not, what he said was you're, People are genetically predisposed to get seasick, and I guess I'm not. So you're on the National Geographic Endurance ship right now, and uh, this is with Lindblad or Lindblad uh, Expeditions. Uh, for most people, most people have never even heard of this, but this uh, it's an extraordinary ship. And I just want to know how did you how did you get on this? How did you get on this ship and get on this journey down to Antarctica? And how long did you spend down there? We were there about a week. Uh, I got onto it. I, I just decided that I wanted, I wanted to go to Antarctica and this is pretty much the maiden voyage for this ship. Uh, it had a couple of shakedown cruises, but not with a lot of people on board. Uh, although it's a very small ship anyway, there's only a hundred, 111 guests on this ship. 
and the 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 good aspect of having so few people is there is a governing council of Antarctica which limits the number of people who can go ashore at once because they don't want to disturb the wildlife or the environment. So being a small ship, we can pretty much go whenever we want. Uh, the limiting factors are heavy seas and ice because you have you get off the the ship has a special uh, kind of landing area where they deploy zodiac rubber boats and you get you put all kinds of heavy clothing and waterproof clothing on you get in these Polaris uh, or zodiac boats and you go ashore and you look at the wildlife and uh, uh, that's pretty much what what you do but we have there's all these naturalists on board who are incredibly well educated most of them have master's degrees and they just love nature and and they they care a lot about the climate so uh when i heard about this trip and when it was happening and this was probably going to be the first voyage of this unique ship i decided hey i'm going to go for it so i did and Byron, our, our, uh, for our listeners who might be watching uh, morning TV in the United States, they, they've probably seen some of this uh, from the Good Morning America crew that's also on board your ship there. Uh, you, you said you just wanted to go to Antarctica. I, I, I'm super envious you got to take this trip. T- tell me what you expected to see when you got down there and what you actually saw when you got down there. I didn't really know what to expect. I figured I'd see a lot of penguins, and I have hmm. seen hundreds of thousands of penguins. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And yesterday we saw a blue whale, which is very rare. It's the largest animal on the planet. It's 100 feet long. It weighs uh, 150 tons. And we encountered one that was kind of swimming right next to the ship. So we tracked it for, I would say, an hour. And I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I didn't know the various species of penguins. I didn't know the various species of birds, um, petrels, cormorants, albatrosses. So I I really, I didn't know. I figured I couldn't go wrong. I was going to learn a lot, and I have. (laughs) Byron, this is your first trip down there, but were were signs of climate change obvious to you once they were pointed out? Uh, No. I'd have to say no. I I can't tell. I mean, um, Joe, uh, our oceanographer, points out that that Antarctica is the fastest warming continent and has warmed, I think, about 14 degrees Fahrenheit in the last 30 years. Average Mm -hmm. temperature. So uh, that's stunning when you think about it. And and it it, it also Antarctica also holds. 72% 72% of the world's fresh water, which is stunning. Also, you don't wow. get much, you know, the maps that we're all used to looking at for years don't really show you how big it is. It's, hmm. it's huge, uh, Antarctica. Um, it always seems to be a little tiny white sunk on the bottom of a globe, but it's really, it doesn't, but most globes don't, 
conveyed the huge size of this continent. Uh, I think I think it's the size of India and um, Australia put together. Okay, so Byron, we were talking about how you know you're this you know consummate journalist, even though you're retired and you're out there on this trip to see uh, these amazing things. There you go, you know, pulling out the camera and the microphone. And, and you actually spoke with Sven Lindblad, who is known the world over. He's with Lindblad Expeditions. They're the ones that put this whole thing on. Uh, and he is an explorer. He's been around this stuff forever. Uh, and you asked him what I thought was an interesting question about, can you actually see climate change occurring when you're in Antarctica? Does it happen right in front of your face? You don't so much see the change in an overt kind of way. For example, you'll see where we were uh, yesterday on Paulette Island. That used to be full of Adelie penguins. That's a species that likes colder weather. Uh, those species are no longer there in great numbers, and they've been taken over by Gentoo, who are uh, comfortable with warmer, warmer water. Uh, this year, for example, we're seeing a lot of snow early in the season here now, and that's a factor of warming weather. You get more snow, more precipitation as a consequence of that. Uh, but you see the, 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 the sheer size of what's out there. You, you, you can't necessarily see the change per se. I mean, you need satellite photographs. Then you can see change. You know, areas where there were glaciers that are no longer there. They've broken off. But from ground level, it's hard to actually see it. Everything is so, so, so big, right? But there's no question. The scientists will tell you. The statistics will tell you. It's getting water warmer. More ice is breaking off. Uh, you know, there was a, an iceberg that broke off not too, too long ago that was larger than, Bel uh, larger than Rhode Island. Uh, and this is happening more and more. And, and uh, it's really, really concerning because if the Antarctic would melt, you'd have sea level rise of somewhere between 250 and 300 feet globally. There's a lot that he said there just in, in that short bit, uh, and it really does give you some perspective. I think that one thing that might stand out to people, they hear that it's snowing in Antarctica and that that indicates warming there. Uh, it, it's usually very dry there, though, uh, and, and, and things are changing. Yes. The, it doesn't snow. It snowed on the ship last night. Um, it doesn't snow a lot. Uh, but Antarctica really is a desert. It's very dry. The, you have all the ice that's been here for millennia, but in terms of snowfall, it doesn't really snow very often. What he was saying is that since the air is warmer and it can hold more moisture, therefore that moisture is available to make snow when it occurs. So, Byron, you're just now on the journey. You're on the journey back to, to Argentina there in South America. Um, you just wrapped up this trip. I'm sure that you're still kind of you know processing it. Most people will never get the chance to get down to Antarctica. And I just wondered if you might describe your emotions uh, from being there. I mean, it's such a majestic place. It's this, you know, mythical place almost to so many people. But at the same time, you know what is happening to it just from the science. You know what's happening to that place. The emotion that you feel is generated by how pristine it is. There's, there's absolutely nobody here. <laughs> I mean, you know that, but there's nobody here. You don't see anything except animals uh, and white and it's. It's stunningly clean. 
the air is so uh, the the you see a white cloud that glimmers on the horizon against the blue sky, and the, that doesn't happen where we live in Dallas. So those are some of the emotions, um, and also you learn so much about nature uh, in terms of how a penguin a penguin a penguin even even uh, an adela pen, penguin it takes two months to hatch an egg and these birds will sit on the egg um for two months the, the husband always does it um and and the wife goes out because she 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 sits on the egg for a while, but then the husband takes over. And hmm. with the nest penguin, they, the gestation period is even longer. It takes five months for the, maybe maybe longer, five months at least for the egg to hatch. And so these animals are are driven by survival. Now, I, one other thing I got to tell you, we have on the ship um, a man who actually transversed Antarctica with five other guys or four other guys in 1989. And they saw a documentary that they made on his trip, uh, about his trip. And every day was a crisis for them. They had the <laughs> food was a crisis. Their dogs were dying. Um, one member of the party died and he was actually here to talk to us. So it, it's, it's, it's been a, a stunning experience. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, you asked uh, Mr. Limblad, Sven Limblad, uh, a few a few questions, Limblad, and um, you also asked him whether he saw himself as a disciple of Earth. And here's what he told you. Well, first of all, I, I believe that, well, our job is to show people wonder, and as a consequence of that, make them uh, develop a reverence. Hopefully they develop a reverence and appreciation for that. And then it allows us to have a conversation about the challenge that we as human beings face as it relates to our relationship with the natural world, which is really problematic, right? We're doing it a lot of damage. We're overfishing it. We're diminishing our freshwater resources. We're cutting down our forests. Uh, we're warming the planet. Uh, this is not a great recipe for success. So uh, I view every single person that we take to places like the Antarctic as potential disciples uh, for us to get our heads straight and to develop a different relationship with our planet. So you, you talk about, uh, Byron, the uh, air is so clear, the sky is so blue, and there's no one around, so it's this untouched land. I'm curious, you're, you're a very well-traveled person. Has this trip to the seventh continent, has this changed you in any way? Ooh, uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, you start to realize that I'll, I will start to realize that when I get back really and start looking at all the photographs that I took in the video that I took. And then you kind of get into a, when you're in the editing process, you get, you get back into the photograph and you actually begin to relive what you were going through at that time. And that's usually the cathartic experience for me. Um, is this, you know, I've, I've been to Mongolia, which was also stunning because there aren't very many people there. But I'd say those are the, and, and on the other hand, I've also been to India, 
which is stunning because there are so many people there. There's 1.2 billion people in India, and it, it's like a punch in the nose. This is more like a, a, a caress of of a clean, beautiful breeze. Uh, Byron, I want to ask you this because you're a storyteller for a living uh, and an investigative journalist at that, which those are the complex stories. They're hard to tell. Uh, I will brag on you for just a moment here, though, uh, because we worked in a newsroom with you and uh, it was a heady experience just sharing the room. This guy has won six DuPont Columbia Awards, two Peabody Awards, four Edward R. Murrows. Nobody does that. Nobody racks up hardware like that. So you've been a storyteller your whole life, a great storyteller at that. And I'm wondering how you tell this story, how we tell this story uh, to make people understand what's happening. There's been so many fights over, you know, whether global you know, warming or climate change is happening. Uh, it's become such a, a political football in a lot of cases. How do you make people care about something that's happening so gradually and seems so far off? And, and you know, when you even go to Antarctica and you can't see it yourself, how do how do we make people care about it? I don't have a good answer for that. I, I uh, it would just when you're here and you realize what a special place this is. You want to do everything you can to protect it. Um, I guess, obviously, not everybody's going to be able to come down here, but you can try to modify your behavior when you get back home and make sure you, you know, watch how much plastic. This, this is an incredibly um, environmentally conscious ship. Um, it's, there, there's, there's no plastic on board. There's, you use reusable water bottles uh, that are metal you, you every time you go ashore you um, wash your boots and when you come back you wash your boots so there's no you don't take any contamination from the ship onto the shore um, obviously what does that mean to people living in Dallas, Texas well it, it means that all this pristine stuff could 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 go away and it would be we, we we would have no more pristine places in the world i guess i guess that's 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 the message and i'll tell you what if that uh, pristine place goes away since it's locking up this huge percentage of of this uh world's fresh water supply there'll be a good chunk of texas that would be underwater uh if all of it melted down there uh, Byron, uh, you mentioned some of the places you've been to, uh, you've had some very cool trips. I've lived vicariously, uh, through your Facebook feed. Uh, and I'm just curious, uh, how do you top this? Where, where do you go after this? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'd like, you, you meet so many people on a, on a ship like this who are environmentally concerned and have been to places you haven't been. <laughs> so I'd, I'd say the Galapagos would be next for me. I, I'd yeah. like to see that that nature there. And, and Byron, the Galapagos is like Antarctica in the sense that it's it's really kind of unspoiled. W what are you going to do differently after after seeing Antarctica and and after maybe planning a trip to the Galapagos? I'd say uh, watch what I eat. 
Um, watch how much garbage you produce. For instance, when I say watch, watch what you eat, you're thinking, what, is, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. This ocean that I'm in right now produces krill, which is a little two-inch shrimp-like organism um, that grows on photoplankton that starts to bloom naturally in Antarctica as the summer progresses. But what we're doing on the planet right now is we are harvesting more and more krill every year. We grind it up and we make fish food out of it and cattle feed. And so I might be here on out. I don't know what you guys did, but during COVID, I became a little more vegetarian than I used to be. I eat less meat now uh, um, just because I was doing the cooking every day and got into vegetables. But um, so what, what happens when these krill get eradicated? A whale eats, a, a blue whale eats between one and 3% of its body weight in krill every day. Hmm. Um, so if, when krill goes away, it's not only going to kill the food source for whales, but also penguins and birds, seabirds. Um, a penguin is a seabird, but I'm thinking uh, petrels and albatrosses. So I think I'm going to modify my diet more, eat less stuff that takes, uh, that either produces greenhouse gases or uses a lot of greenhouse gas to make. So that's one thing. Yeah, we're definitely uh, overfishing the oceans for sure. Uh, Byron, last thing from me, uh, I was I was looking at the Lindblad expeditions because, like I said, I've been stalking your your Facebook page and thinking, OK, I want to go there. Uh, and I saw that the the cheapest uh, journey that they have to Antarctica is uh, fifteen thousand eighty dollars. It's for 14 days. Um, and you know, to save my pennies, maybe one of these days I'll start making Jason Whiteley money and this will be no big deal. Uh, tell me though, uh, you know, it's a lot of money, of course, but, um, worth it if you can scrape together enough money. Oh, absolutely. And these guys do it the best I've discovered. You, you, uh, you get, you come here and they have, um, Arctic clothing that you get to keep, those orange coats, uh, a park underneath that, you get a dry bag to carry your photographic gear in. Um, They think of everything. Um, And at the peak of the season, there's as many as 40 ships around Antarctica, all of which tell the people, their guests, that they're going to go to Antarctica. But most of those ships never stop anywhere. They never go ashore. Uh, They don't have um, this incredible knowledge that's here. This ship is so unbelievable. There's, you can follow your, your uh, journey every day on, on maps that are everywhere. Huge kind of iPad like things where you can see, the wind speed, where you are, where you were yesterday. Um, it's an unbelievable ship. 
and I think very unique in that regard. Oh, oh one right. more thing I got to tell you. Yesterday we did a polar plunge where you actually jump into the into the Antarctic Sea. What? Yeah. And it now were is, you? Do you wear anything for that, Byron? No, no, I wore a bathing suit, and about okay. about half the guests on the ship did it. Uh, and they give you a little patch that says, I did a polar plunge, which really is something. I mean, it's quite shocking when you dive into the water <laughs> and, uh, and feel the, the water is about 28 degrees. Jeez. Byron, I can't get into a cold shower in, in Texas. I, I can't imagine what, what that was like. How long were you in the water? Seconds. <laughs> you jump in and they pull you out right away. <laughs> How long did it take you to recover after that? Oh, probably an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Your your feet get cold, your hands get cold, and I don't know, kind of this systemic numbness settles all over you. (laughs) You're just kind of vegged out for about an hour. But you can say you did it, and you've got their certificate to prove it. Yeah, they give you a little patch, actually. It says, I made the polar plunge. Wow. Byron, it sounds like a heck of a trip, man. I'm glad that the uh, the line worked out where you could call in today because it's uh, it's fascinating to hear. And that's the uh, one place that's on my bucket list, probably the top of my bucket list that I have not been to. I would love to be able to go to. Well, we uh, are envious. Yeah, I mean, here in Texas. Yeah. Come over. I'll show you the video and bore you to death. <laughs> I miss you guys. You know, normally, you know, we can see our friends' vacations on Instagram or on Facebook. I, I'd totally go back over to Byron's house to watch this stuff. He, yeah. He, well, he, I didn't tell you, but, you know, you started this off by asking me if I got your Christmas gift yet yeah. and said that I could contribute to your Christmas present by, you know, building sort of a vacation fund for you so that you could do something like this one day. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, and, and I hate to break the surprise early, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to come by and I'm going to pick you up for your Christmas gift, and we are going to take a trip over to Byron's house and you're going to get to live vicariously uh, looking through all his videos. I'm totally, I'm totally game for that, man. But you know what, Byron, here's the thing about Byron. He's curious and inquisitive and he's never lost that passion and that spark. And and that's what, you know, if anyone does any job for 41 years, it, it, it might become monotonous or something like that. Not, not for Byron. He, you know, after he left, he became a writer. He does a lot of, uh, a lot of reports still for WFAA. Um, I can't wait to see what this one's going to become, this trip down to Antarctica, uh, because he, he's going at it really with an independent eye. He's not a scientist, uh, he, you know, going in obviously with no mind made up. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like at the end. I think that makes you live longer, too, uh, to keep on going with that kind yeah. of attitude, or it, it, it at least makes you live better. Um, and, and I will say that since Byron has left us, it's been six years mm. uh, since he left the station where we work. Uh, and I, I see this guy. He hasn't aged a day. You talk to him, he is still like totally into stuff like you say. And it's like he's the role model. You know, that's what I want to be uh, one of these days when I can finally retire. That's exactly how I want to do it. You should check with him and see what his moisturizing routine is because you ought to pick it up if you can for the new year. <laughs> I could probably yeah. use whatever secrets Byron can pass along <laughs> about uh, sort of preserving yourself in place. Uh, but, you know, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. This is the, the furthest away guest we've ever had by far. Easily. Uh, we've, we've never registered a listener. I think we talked about this uh, on, uh, on Antarctica. 
we've registered one on every other continent, but I'm not sure that it registers that way. So, uh, but you know, we, we sure got close here with this guest this time. We should have called him while he was actually standing on the ice, but well, we should have, when you say register this for, for our, our listeners, we, we can see what country people are listening from. And we've had someone listen from, from the six other continents. We should have had him download an episode while he was there on the, uh, on the, uh, uh, the the ice shell for whatever whatever you want to call it, um, but just the fact that that phone call came through in the Drake Passage satellite phone call whatever it was I, it's just it's unbelievable that we're you know the technology can uh, can connect us like that and it was great quality too but you could tell that there was something about it you could you you could hear it in the audio almost uh, and I loved it it sounds like he's like halfway on the way to the moon you know <laughs> he's just way out there and he might as well have been yeah. Uh, we really hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode. We sure did. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you've got friends or family who are going to be traveling and stuck on airplanes or in crowded airports or on the roads, uh, first of all, travel safe uh, and, and tell them to do so as well. And tell them to download the Yalitix podcast. This will give them at least something to listen to. And they can binge listen. We've got a gazillion episodes now. So uh, this one might be a good one, though. We're back us, next week, though, too. You're, you're like wishing off everyone for the rest of the year, man. We, 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 oh, no, because I know how this works, Jason. Uh, our, I, I think we're going to be the last ones working, yeah, you know, uh, as we get into these next several days. I'm telling you, like you start commuting to work and you're like, you're really happy at first because you go, wow, the, the traffic is great today. Uh, and then you start to get kind of sad thinking, but wait, that means everybody else right. is off right now and they're already like pursuing life and holiday plans. And here I am still, you know, punching in and, and, and going into the office. So that's why I'm putting it out there, because I know that a lot of people are sort of in cruise control. Now. Story of our life, Wheeler, story of our life. Uh, that does it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And if you're looking for something to do on that road trip, if you don't want to play Spotify constantly, do like Wheeler said, download y'all, subscribe to us. We're going to be programming through the holidays so you can listen uh, to and fro wherever you're heading for the holidays. We'll talk to you next week.